Welcome to the Self-Value Podcast, where self-discovery is your superpower. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and I'm thrilled to be joined by Sue Bryce and our lineup of amazing guests. Together, we'll explore the distinct connections between self-value, relationships, career growth, and financial abundance. Through real personal stories and expert wisdom, we'll arm you with sustainable tools and strategies to become the best version of yourself and create the life of your dreams. Hi, everyone. It's Nikki Klosser here, and my guest today on the Self-Value Podcast is Malika Williams. Malika is an author and founder of a nonprofit, and while she has had success in her life, her childhood was one that included violence, foster care, incarceration, and being a teen mom. While Malika shares with us her very personal story that was so difficult for her, she also talks about how she overcame adversity through learning how to value herself and how she let go of anger in order to understand that she deserves success and a life she loves. Malika is such an inspiration, and I'm so happy to introduce her to you today. Okay, let's get started with the amazing Malika Williams. Hi, Malika. Welcome to the Self-Value Podcast. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for being here with me. Thanks for having me. I just want to tell people briefly how we met and how I ended up inviting you onto the onto the show because, I don't know, it's pretty cool. Yes. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I did some photos for Project 2, which is an awesome nonprofit, nonprofit that helps women kind of just like get a, like a second chance helping with you know, resume writing and financial stuff. And then I do the headshots or whatever. And you spoke this past year. Oh, I guess it was, what year are we in 20? Okay. So it was this year, January of this year of 2023. Yeah. And you spoke and you got up there and I was just like, so interested in everything you had to say. And it was funny because someone in the audience was like, tell them about the book. Right, and you got you were like so humble. You like weren't even going to tell us that you published self published. Nonetheless, like you had zero help, and you self published a book. And I was like, as you were talking about it, I googled. I went on Amazon. I think it was like looking for your book, and I bought it right then and there. And yeah, and now here you are. <laughs> yeah, you really. I'm glad that you did. I'm. I hope that you enjoyed it. Oh, you know, I did. I mess. Well, I started following you on Instagram and I think I messaged you. It was like one in the morning. I was like, Malika, I should be in bed right now and I can't stop reading your book. I know. <laughs> yes, 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 you did. It I'm was glad just, it had you, you know, intrigued. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's one of those things because it's, you know, you did not have an easy childhood. Like it was difficult. You went through a lot of stuff, a lot of trauma, just a lot of, um, a lot of difficult things. And it, you never like, feel good uh, reading something when someone has been through so much, but it's like the way that you wrote it and your storytelling, I couldn't stop reading it. Like it was, you know, it was just, it was was real good and juicy. I know (laughs) it was very, it was very very juicy. Um, But in the end, I think what I love most was just your attitude of like, you're going to overcome this all. You know, and this is this is kind of where you're at now. Like you're writing this new story. It's really amazing. Yes. Um, yeah. just to, to to look back on so many different things when I do uh, communicate or, you know, talk to people after they read the book, they they always say, Well, I wouldn't have never thought, you know, that you've been through all of those things like you have. I mean, because you know, you don't 
you know, show it or, you know, it's, 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 it, it seems like you're not affected as much. And mm-hmm. I'm thankful for, you know, having uh, a supportive circle and because, you know, it's every day is life hits different every day. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. sometimes things are triggering for me. Um, I had to learn that as well, just how certain situations and certain things happen to me. And I'm like, why am I so upset? Or, you know, why it took me so much off my square? And, you know, understanding and learning that we do all have trigger points and things that might, you know, take you off your square sometimes. So mm-hmm. I'm thankful so- for that. Yeah, yeah. I have so much I want to ask you. But while you just brought that up, like things that that trigger you and when you have just kind of bad days and off days, I feel like, you know, we can all really do the work when it comes to self-love and, and um, you know, just finding our value in this world and letting go of the things that have really hurt us and all of the things. But, like, we can all do all, you know, the work and feel like we've made so much progress and then a day hits where it's just like, fuck, you know, like, what do you do to get yourself back on track if you do have one of those days? Typically, you know, you I think it's always good to have someone that you can, you know, bounce out ideas off of or communicate mm-hmm. that will give you positive uh, feedback and they understand because they know the history and things like that. I think that's always good to have someone to confine in um, that just really listening, not really judgmental or anything like that. They just you just want to vent. Another thing that has been really therapeutic for me is meditation or listening to meditation music. So um, a lot of times in the morning I listen to meditation and a lot of times at night. I try to listen to meditation. If I'm having a rough day in the middle of the day, you know, I'll try to, you know, live in that moment. If it give me like, you know, five to 10 minutes to just kind of like breathe. Mm -hmm. Um, And I always really into prayer, you know, just saying, you know, I'm having a rough day. You know, God, give me the strength to, you know, keep going or, you know, please help my day become better. But I think Mm -hmm. one of the biggest things that, a lot of people don't realize is, you know, you manifest a lot of things. So if you have starting off with a rough day and then you constantly keep saying, oh, it was such a horrible day. Oh, this day can't get. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's kind of <laughs> like you constantly put in that in the atmosphere for your day to constantly be rough. And, you know, um, I think it's good to um, just sometimes let loose too, And you got to be open minded to knowing when you need to rest, like when it's mm-hmm. just, Hey, you need to just take this day and do a self-care day. So if it's at the spa or if it's taking a hot bubble bath, you know, you definitely have to, you know, love on yourself. A lot of times I think we are so caught up on the fast life because everybody's moving. Things is going. We need stuff right now. And that's just like everybody, you know. But then, you know, you got to take those times and just chill, you know, just relax Another thing, too, I do is journaling. I love to journal. Um, that definitely gives me some reflection. So a lot of times when I go back and look at things I wrote a year ago and I'd be like, oh, man, you know, I've come so far from that thought process or I come so far from that bad friendship or relationship or whatever it is. You know, so just being able to identify your wins, too. Mm-hmm. I feel like the last two minutes of what you just said, you know, how, however long you were a minute or two that you were just saying all that like that was 
like nail, it hit the nail on the head. I mean, truly, like everything you just said, I think is so important when we do have those, Rough those days. just setbacks. Yeah. And, and I feel like maybe you didn't have those skills overnight. Lord knows I didn't. Like if I have a rough day or whatever, 10 years ago, I had no idea what to do, <laughs> you know? Right. But it's like once you learn these skills and it becomes your 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 life practice of, you know, it, it, it gets easier. Like, yeah, the, the rough days still hurt. But when you know what to do and you have those skills in place, I don't, it just makes it not last as long, I guess, right. the rough day. Just having different coping mechanisms. Of course, for different people, it's going to be different things. Like, I know people that love to work out. They love to go to the gym mm-hmm. to kind of get that frustration out, you know. And I think being open-minded to different things, you know. Um, a lot of times you don't know you like something unless you try it. Who's to say if you play the instrument or, you know, you learned a new skill like swimming or, you know, something you learn as different. You know, yeah. I think a lot of times we're so scared to come out of what are we accustomed to. So um, we don't know about other coping mechanisms because we haven't had the exposure to it. So mm-hmm. I think that's essential as well is is kind of like being diverse in, you know, your thought process. Mm-hmm. Well, and speaking of the thought process, when you, you just said how you know, if someone's having a horrible day and they're just living in that, like, poor me, poor me, it's a horrible day. And that's not to say that I don't think you should allow yourself to feel pain or sadness or whatever, but it it seems like people who just constantly focus on the negative, 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 it's like becomes this sort of victim mentality that is really difficult to move out of. And the way you just described that is exactly, exactly right. So like, if you, like, like, what do you say to yourself? I, okay, I know you said you journal and you talk about your wins and all of that. So I know there is that as well. But like for people out there who are just stuck in that sort of negative victim mentality, like, I don't know, what would you say to them, I guess? Well, one of the things I think is is important is a lot of times we don't want to really look at ourselves. Um, first, I, I think you have to, identify, you know, if it's something from the past, a lot of times, you know, you still kind of, if for an example, parents, you know, mm-hmm. or siblings, things like that, um, it's hard because they're your family. And so you, you see them more than, you know, if it was a friend or somebody, you say, hey, the friendship is over. But when it's your family and things like <laughs> that, it's a little bit difficult. Mm-hmm. I think that boundaries are extremely important because, you have to know what makes you happy. I feel like a lot of times people think that it's someone else's responsibility to keep them happy or make them happy. So people, you know, married a significant other with the thought process of, oh, you know, he didn't make me happy. But it's like, were you happy with yourself? You know, before <laughs> totally. you... Yeah, so it's things like, I, I really feel like when people are in that, they might not know no other way. They might not, they, you know, don't understand that. You have to be the person that wants the necessary change. So, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody could talk to you to that blue in the face about, you know, how smart you are, how intelligent and how beautiful you are. But if you don't feel those things about yourself, then it's a whole waste of time. So that's why I feel like everything pretty much starts with self. When you make any kind of short or long term goals, 
Those are things that you have to do. Nobody else. Somebody can say, hey, yeah, you want to start a business? I can help you with that. But if they they fall through with that, does that mean you're not going to start the business? Because the person who, no, you have to find another avenue. You have to, you know, go another way about it. There's other ways about it. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like the biggest thing I would tell someone is to really look at their self and focus on their self as far as what they feel they need what they need from them from themselves like you know do you love yourself you know do what are some of the things you feel like you need to work on for you so I think that's mostly kind of how I deal with things because of course you know you don't want to seem like you know the victim but you are kind of a victim but how did you overcome being victimized are you putting boundaries in place that you're not continuously being victimized? You get what I'm saying? Just setting those boundaries and understanding what makes you happy and what doesn't. You know, that's Absolutely. just like if you you got, you know, you don't like drama, then that means you shouldn't be with someone that's always in some drama. You know, it's, it's, you would think mm -hmm. it's common sense, but common sense ain't always so common. <laughs> so true. <laughs> it's so true. I mean... Yeah, so much of, of what you said, it it's all so, so, so important. And it really does go back to that whole self-value, self-worth, self-love, you know, whatever it is that you want to call it, which is, you know, what Sue teaches on, you know, in self-value and the workshops and everything. And, and it's it's just really interesting how so much of it goes back to, do you, do you love yourself? I mean, you know, and I think that we get messages from wherever that may be our parents our society uh the media you know of why we shouldn't love ourselves and and what we do with those messages can really make us or break us right because i feel like in a society that we live in you know a lot of people are caught on materialistic things a lot of people mm -hmm. are caught on more visual you know you know you you before you can get to know a person you looking at visibly visibly how they look you know what i'm saying so you, we already have all these prejudgments already because it's just something that is instilled in us from just living right so i think that that's a, a big thing too is like if if people didn't have this materialistic thing or they didn't look a certain type of way how would you view them how would you mm -hmm. interact with them you know what i'm saying it's like dealing with you know, souls or uh, individuals. So that's one of the things I had to, to do as well, because I'm going to give a short story about, I've always worked in hospitality and it was this guy and he was at the front desk and I'm not going to lie. He looked at, he wasn't dressed the best. Let's just say that. And so mm -hmm. I kind of was like asking because I always worked in kind of like four to five star hotels. Like, you know, who is this guy? You know, cause I'm, judging him on how he looked and so the manager at the front desk said yeah that guy um he's like one of the producers for like he was one of the people that did like some of the stuff for like fast and furious and so like they looked him up and pulled his name up and this guy is like a a millionaire you know yeah and yeah. so it was like real humbling for me because i'm like you never know who you know who who is who you know mm -hmm. you automatically just being judgmental because you and i really nice place and this person might not have the attire that matches the venue you know what i'm saying so just yeah. things like that is like you have to look at yourself you know why yeah. would you 
who are you to just automatically judge somebody or, you know, think that they are less or, you know, so it's a lot of self, you know, reflection on myself, I guess you could say. Yes, that's exactly what I was just thinking is I love that about you because, you know, you do have that self-reflection, you know, and just sharing that story shows that you are looking at yourself and how you can get better. Like, okay, you know, you judge someone, oops, you know, made a mistake, whatever, misjudged based on society and what, you know, how we all do it. We've all been there. We've all done it. But I feel like the difference is you were like, okay, how am I going to better myself with this example, you know, in, in terms of judging? Like, okay, what can I do differently next time? Or like that sort of self-reflection, I feel like can can be the difference between someone who does move forward, write a new story of their life and succeed versus someone who doesn't. Right. And and then it made me think about how people could judge me. You know, people, you know, a person can look at me and say, hey, you was a teen mom. You was, you know, you was incarcerated. You, you know, like all of these things that, you know, of a person, if they don't get to know you first, they could just automatically prejudge that, you know? Mm-hmm. But then when you follow up and you say, hey, those, you know, those things, those challenges is what has been allowing me to build the foundation that I'm building now, you know? Being able to let people know that they are the author to their story, that they can change the, you know, the the projection of what they think their future might look like, because it all starts with working on what you want, you know. So um, that's what I like about it is to be able to say, hey, I had these things go on, but this is how I've been doing little by little by making those changes within not only within myself, but also trying to inspire others to know that. They have that within their cells as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, in, in addition to what you just mentioned, you spent a lot of your childhood in foster care, you right. know, and just kind of not only foster care, but in group home too. Right. And so you had that, you know, incredibly difficult challenge as well. And I think, you know, I know I, know I kind of mentioned this, but I think a lot of people could take everything that you've experienced and just turn into a victim. You know, what, what was it that you, and I'm not saying, okay, I don't mean to sound like people who have really traumatic experience shouldn't feel it and, and have pain. You know, I'm not saying that there is just a, a difference between someone like you who pushes through it and decides that is no longer going to be my story, you know? So like how, what do you think sets you apart that made you just decide, like, hell no, that's not going to be my life. You know, I'm really going to turn this around. I think one of my very biggest lessons was when I did get incarcerated. And I was away from my, at that time, like, 10-month-old son. And I just had an epiphany of just kind of like I was going to be putting him through some of the same situations that I had been through. It might have not been exactly the same, but just kind of like not being the best parent that I could be, you know, kind of like, you know, I felt like my decisions and my actions were selfish. You know, I didn't think about, hey, if you did this, you know, you're going to be away from your baby. What's going to happen with your child? And, you know, just different things like that. So. Having that time to reflect on that, I knew that when I came home, I definitely wanted to get myself in a better situation. 
Um, Because not only was my son uh, in foster care for a short time after I went to jail, his paternal grandmother um, had temporary, ended up getting temporary custody, but his father wasn't in a position either. So we were both young and we were both making really bad decisions. So um, I, I, I felt like someone had to be the more stable parent. If anything, somebody going to have to do something. We can't let the baby be, you know, just out here and unguided. So yeah, yeah, that was like one of my biggest motivations as far as, you know, coming home and trying to get a job and be stable and stay out of trouble. But I did have a lot of anger from, you know, I felt like I was a kid, you know, I was abused. I didn't understand why I was being punished. You know, me being in group mm-hmm. homes and me being in foster care and things like that, it felt like a punishment. So I did have anger, a lot of anger issues. Uh, and when I did get incarcerated, one of the judge's requests was for me to take anger management. Um. So, you know, having that, I I had to take the anger management and, it was good. It was good as far as helping deal with trying to cope and other solutions. But, you know, it's still like. It was still very difficult for me not to still feel angry. So mm-hmm. I know exactly what you mean as far as people be victimized and, and feel like that. I mean, is you going to be angry, but it doesn't do anything for you in the long run. It's not mm-hmm. healthy for you mentally. It's not healthy for you emotionally. And then I kind of feel like that allows that to linger on further in your life, which blocks a lot of your blessings. You're able to grow and glow much more once you're able to release that. But you have to identify what it is. You know, you have uh-huh. to identify the things that you're having an issue with. And, and therapy is really good. I think people a lot of times don't take advantage of some of the resources that they have. Not saying you're going to know everything. It's going to be an overnight process, but it's got to definitely be something that you want and something that you're willing to work on. Even if the progress is very small, you got to do it little at a time, just little at a time. So, you know, being able to identify it, I feel like is one of the first things. Like, you know, mm-hmm. when you telling somebody a story and you, you know, you doing a victim thing, because most of the time people bring up, hey, you know, this and that, you know, you need to have people that's going to hold you accountable for that. You know, hey, I've heard this story already before. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I want you to be able to be strong and try, let's try to move past this. What what you think would be good for me to help you move past these things? And People need that type of positive support. Sometimes I feel like people that's in them victimized stages too, a lot of times people feed them that or feed off of that from from them too. So sometimes it's the people around you as well. Yeah. It's interesting because it's, it's like I think when we do get stuck in that kind of angry state at things that, you know, and I, I did not have an ideal childhood myself. And there are times when even to this day, I find myself kind of like commiserating with my friends about it. Like, oh, blah, blah, blah. It's almost like, what am I getting out of talking about that? Like, am I trying to get their support? Am I trying to get them to feel sorry for me? Like, I have to catch myself on occasion. Now, granted, like you said, there are days when we need to vent because something is bothering us and it's we need to get it out. And we have those, you have to have those trusted people to vent to. But every so often, like, you know, I don't know, I just catch myself and I'm like, what am I trying to get from this right now being this victim? 
Right. You know, like, I don't, it's really interesting. And I, I guess that, that too is just, you know, it's, it's always a reflection. You know, your past and things you go through is always something that's, it's, it's like a scar that's there. It's, it's like, you know where that scar came from. Like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. I burnt myself or I fell off my bike and then be there all your life. So it's like something that's is a part of your identity of who mm-hmm. you are. So it's it's okay to not, I'm not saying ever not to talk about it. Um, like I said, I think a lot of times, you know, people talking about a lot of those uncomfortable things. That's why I felt like it was important for me to put a lot of the things I went through in a book because I feel like people be so embarrassed and they think people were going to judge them. And I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm at a point where I really don't care what other people think about me because I have no control over that. I can't control other people's thoughts and, and, and emotions and things like that. I can only only have control over what I can do or what how I feel. So, of course, it is, you know, very... It make me feel good to know that, you know, it might help other people. I feel like me starting a nonprofit and writing a book have encouraged a lot of my friends and people that's in my circle. Even, you know, Facebook friends that I really don't even know. People tell me that all the time. Like, oh, man, you know, if I see you doing it, I know I can do it, too. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, it's all in the effort that you want to put in. And you're not going to always hear yes. It's gonna. It's been so many no's. You no, know, no, no. But I still kept going. I just, like I said before, you know, you just got to adjust and keep adjusting because that's really what life is about. Nothing is never the same. You think about it. We we went into COVID. It's so many things that has changed as far as like, period, you know, since then. So uh-huh. you got to adjust, you know, it's like, it's it's just about, just really about adjusting and just constantly adjusting. Like, cause life is about adjustment. That's like, you can get up and get ready to go to work and you go outside and you got a flat tire. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, instead of making that be the highlight of the day, like such a bad thing, you know, you just got to do what you got to do. Now you're going to call AAA or, you mm-hmm. know, whatever you got to do, you just okay. got to have solutions. Yeah, and if you don't, you, that's why it's, ha- it's good to have positive people with, around you because they can as- assist you with bringing resolution and solution. You know, ah, uh, so much wisdom you have. <laughs> okay, from reading your book, I don't think I said the title yet. I'm just trying to live is the title of your book, and I I know that you were very young when you were incarcerated. You were a baby. What, were you like 17, 18? 17, yeah, seventeen years old. So on top of you know you were a mom at 17 and, yes. you know, we're incarcerated from decision, you know, a decision I know you regret because you told, you, you told me in the book, I'm like, you told me, you didn't really tell me, <laughs> but you wrote it in the book. So I feel like you told me. And to, to have that sort of wherewithal while you're there at 17, like we're trying to figure out who we are, you know, it's like you had to kind of grow up quickly and it's, it, yeah, it's, it's, did you see yourself now, I know you have big goals. You have already done a ton with starting a nonprofit and writing book and all the speaking things you do, just like so much of what you do. Like, did you have this sort of goal back then or was that just so far beyond what you could see at that point? To be honest, back in that time in my life, I feel like I was just living day to day. You know, yeah. I'm just making it through the day, really. Yeah. Um, with the whole situation with me becoming pregnant, which I was telling somebody this story, which, you know, basically I know you read in a book, but it was it's crazy because I feel like how I found out I was pregnant, 
um I, I i i was so basically originally i was i was seeing a therapist they had me seeing a therapist and i i had just recently moved to this foster home and uh, actually this foster lady is actually someone i still talk to and um i had missed my menstrual and i said tell the therapist i said you know i'm kind of scared to tell my foster mom but i think i might be pregnant and she was like now when i originally moved there i did inform them that I was sexually active. Nobody, you know, I, I'm, you know, no one took me to get any contraception, you know, any kind of birth control mm -hmm. or anything like that. So, but they was aware that I was sexually active. So I, um, she took me to the right aid. I got a pregnancy test. I went home. I took the pregnancy test. The pregnancy test said I was pregnant. Um, long story short, I had to tell my foster mother. She was very upset. And she gave me some money and said, catch the bus down to this clinic called this. At the time, it was called the Summit. It was on um, Greenfield and Six Mile. Yep. And I said, uh, yeah. I went to the Summit and they had me, you know, urinate in a cup. And the lady came back and was like, yeah, the test is negative. And I went on for months thinking I was not pregnant. I didn't have like I wasn't sick or anything like that. Oh I just didn't gosh, have no yeah. menstrual. And one day I went to sleep in English class and anybody know like, you know, English and writing and journaling and all that always been something that I really enjoy. So the counselor talked to the teacher and they were like, hey, I think we need to, you know, let um, her foster mother know that, you know, we got some concerns. So when I got home from school that day, she was like, you know what, I'm going to take you to get some blood drawn. And that's when I found out that I was pregnant. But at this time, when I found out that for sure I was pregnant, I was like 16 weeks. Yeah. So when I went to the clinic, because I was like, I don't, you know, I want to have an abortion. I, I can't, I don't want to have no baby. Like, oh my God, this is the worst thing ever. I'm already in foster care. There's no way I can have a baby. And when they got to explaining the process of what they, what they do, because I was so far along, even though I was at that time, I was like 15. I was like, uh, no, I'm not doing that. I guess I'm gonna be somebody mama because that sounds crazy. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um yeah so I kind of was like in a situation where I, I'm gonna be a parent so um being incarcerated <laughs> I know this sounds so messed up but I can see how foster kids kind of like end up being if you look at the statistics of kids that come out of foster care how they are more likely to be on drugs they're more likely to be incarcerated homelessness all of that Mm -hmm. because when I went to jail, jail was kind of like how the group homes were to me. It was like easy for me to kind of adjust to that type of setting because I had been in it quite a few times. Mm -hmm. So I could see how somebody can get institutionalized real quick. I mean, you got somebody that's feeding you every day. You know what time you got to get up. It's kind of like it's like a it's like programming you. But it was one of the most scary experiences because when you get incarcerated, they 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 put you with people that got similar crimes. I had a violent crime, so I was around people that was going to, that was look waiting for trial for murder, attempted murder, uh, felonious assault, uh, carjacking, armed robbery, like real serious stuff. It's I mean, scary. I'm telling yeah. you, I'm sitting across from this lady eating from me that killed her baby. Oh my god! And you, you know, weren't typically like. A violent person. This was one right. I had it. So basically, yeah. my 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 son's father had me and another girl pregnant. 
And I didn't never know that she was pregnant until like literally the baby was born. So, so you, can you imagine how like mentally for me, that was so devastating because I was like, you know, I thought that in my mind at that 16, 17 year old age, that this mm -hmm. person was going to be the person I was going to be with forever. You know, he was the only the first person I had had any kind of sexual intercourse with, only person I had ever been with. So like in my mind, I just had this whole, you know young puppy love that I thought this person and then by him knowing my history and all the things that I was going through too you know I just and you were raised around violence too like that's you know you saw yes. a lot of violence yeah yes so that's how they resolve everything that's yeah. all you know that's what I grew up around like I said when I first witnessed my first murder was probably at eight or nine was yeah. my uncle somebody came in front of the house and basically shot him up I, and it was, it was crazy because me and this man looked right at each other in, the, in each other's face like he looked me in my eyes I looked him in my in his eyes it was like the slowest moment I could I, and I still remember it so for a long time I would have like triggered where I would think I seen this man is that because I used to always think he was gonna come back and kill me is, is, is that him so I might be on the bus and I have like literally a, a, a I got to get off the bus. I got to get off the bus. It's like the worst thing ever. Um, and it's just something that I've always been kind of around as a as yeah. a kid. Um, and that's what I had to learn. Like things like that is something that I was so accustomed to in my life that I thought that that was normal. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That yeah. it was that's how people resolve things. They fought or, you know, it was some type of physical altercation or it was some type of violence that had something. To, and. So I'm only doing what I what I only knew. Yeah, um, at, at 16, 17 years old, with your heart completely shattered, pregnant. And, yes. I mean it was it was definitely yeah. like I I don't feel like I've ever been brokenhearted like that since. And I'm well past that age, but I it definitely was devastating. I for sure would say that. It's it's pretty remarkable how, you know, 16 weeks pregnant. And you're like, okay, I'm going to be a mom. I'm sure it felt completely like scary and overwhelming and all the, th all the things. But isn't it amazing how you shared earlier about how when, you know, your baby, you weren't able to be there for him at a certain time in his life because you were incarcerated. Yet that is like having him, it sounds like truly helped to change your life into a positive direction where at the time of getting pregnant and all of the things you went through were so horrible, then here that seems to be one of the things that catapulted you into like success. Yes. Yes. Having I him. definitely do feel like, um, you know, I would, would have not been so conscious of my decisions and things going forward after that. So, you know, of course mm -hmm. in my mind, I'm like, Hey, I got to get me a, a stable job and I, I need to come home and, you know, maybe get back in school and, um, you know, get a place. And to be honest with you, it was really kind of discouraging because, you know, when you had back then, you know, you think when you had a felony, that kept you from a lot of pretty good jobs. And by me coming out at oh, eight, 17, sure, yeah. 18 years old with a felony, you know, it, that right there alone was discouraging. Mm -hmm. Um, But I ended up getting into, I worked at the Renaissance, at the Marriott. Yeah. Wait, real quick, just so people know, you're from, from Detroit, like born and raised in Detroit. I live in Michigan. Um, 
went to grad school downtown, you know, in Detroit, whatever, spend some time. Whatever. I, I was born in a, raised in a suburb of Detroit, not in Detroit proper. But that's why I know the, the, you know, the areas that you're talking about, just for people listening so they know why, we know, you know, where you're at and whatever. So. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was definitely a time. Um, but I'm, I'm think, I, honestly, I am thankful for it. Um, I think it definitely built character for me. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely at the Renaissance working there. You mean? Yeah. That's, I, I, that's I, at the hotel. Yeah. Was it a it hotel? Definitely yeah. Built okay. Yep. Character and um, just because I was in a diverse atmosphere, I feel like that was my first time. Um, you know, being exposed to different walks of life, and when I I ended up starting at housekeeping, and then I transferred to the front desk. And I absolutely loved it. Like I was meeting people from all over the world. They were doing all different type of, you know, things and w- with their life and in their life. And that's one of the things that was eye opening too. You know, all right. Listen to yeah. them talk about, hey, yeah, I traveled, um, you know, to Europe and I did this and I did that. And it was just was very intriguing. Like it's so much more to life than Detroit. You know, yeah. you got to get out of this little city. Is You got to see other things. You got to talk to other people. You It's so much more to it. Um, so that definitely helped me a lot as far as my um, building character as, as a young adult and really wanting to look at long-term goals uh, for myself and for my son. Yeah, that's really interesting because, you know, with the Renaissance Center, I don't know to this day if... if there's still a hotel there, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's the Marriott. Marriott but, is still there. Oh, that's right. Marriott. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, I mean, it was one back then especially. That was, like, the hotel. Like, yes. that was where you stayed if you were anyone or, any, you know, successful or whatever. So, to have that kind of exposure. Like, when you, you don't know what you don't know. Right. So and, and, and same thing with you inspiring people, like you said, in your circle on social media, where you can write a book and you can start a business and you can do all these things. Like... I feel like you are now inspiring people the way the people coming into the hotel inspired you. Right. Yes. And see, the crazy part about it is they probably didn't even know they were inspiring me. Yeah. You know, and it's so funny because I've had a couple people like, hey, if you're ever in Houston, hey, if you're ever here, you know, look me up, you know, stuff like that. So I've met, for, you know, I've <laughs> I've created friends out of these. Sometimes my coworkers, people that I still talk to and have a relationship to this day so that whole experience and I worked for Marriott for like 15 years so um they were definitely had a lot to do with me raising my family and things like that so it was it and I got to do different departments and you can transfer different places and things like that so it was really yeah it was really good it was a really good experience for me I think I definitely needed that at that time in my life too yeah. It's interesting because I, I worked in hospitality myself. I was a bartender and server for a long time. And I worked at the Marriott and Ipsy for a couple of years. And that is where I learned so much about how to provide good service. And being a business owner, I mean, you're a business owner. I'm a business owner. Providing good service is incredibly important. And I feel like when you are in hospitality, you just, you kind of get the down and dirty of it and how to really like just provide service that makes someone want to keep coming back. And you know, you know what? It'd be the smallest things. That's what I see. One thing about Marriott too, at that particular time, they were really big with training. I think that's very important. They were very big on 
what what their expectations were and they were giving us the tools for that so you know of course that we would go through these trainings where it's like okay for an example the severity of an issue right so say for an example you check a guest into say for an example a vacant dirty room but in the system it said it was clean and and it it was available but it was a vacant dirty room and say it might have been their anniversary and they're running late for dinner. So they're already, you know, on scene. They're very upset. You know, how would you handle that? And then they give you solutions on, you know, some of the things that you could do. Another scenario they'll give, like, okay, well, they were, you know, a family was here and they were going to the ball game at Comerica Park and it rained. It was like the worst weather ever and their game got canceled. Now that does not have anything to do with the Marriott, but how can we still change that experience? to make it still be a good experience. So for an example, we would do something like might send up the parents a bottle of champagne and the kids maybe, you know, some little snacks, you know, just sorry that it got rained out, you know, hopefully this will make you, you know, little things like that is is really, really important uh, when dealing with people because you just never know those little small things mean a lot to people, a whole yeah. lot. So during that time, me learning these things, you know, I utilize that a lot. And so I've then been <laughs> the Spirit to Serve Award a few times with Marriott. Wow. People will, yeah, they would write corporate and be like, hey, she was was phenomenal. She changed this situation from one situation to another, and I definitely want her to be recognized. So it definitely is. I, and I think me naturally is a people pleaser anyway. Mm-hmm. That's like one of my love languages, I feel like. You know, I always want people to know that I. You know, I care for them. I love them. One of the biggest things I do is I always cook. So I'm always cooking like for my friends or my family. That's one of my ways of expression of my gratitude and my love for them. Oh, Malika, I love that. And I love that you won those awards. That's a big deal. Yeah, it was it was definitely uh it definitely feels good to be appreciated or you know Mm -hmm. just those little things that you're not trying to get no uh, recognition from but people recognize it so it definitely always feel good for that yeah yeah I really love this I just I don't know I just really love your attitude of yes these things happen to you but that is not going to define who you are it's just not you know of course you learn from it and grew from it and had epiphanies like you said and but now you have a new story, you know, a new story of success and and just inspiring others and people looking up to you and you helping others and like you do, you know, through the live outreach and through other avenues. It's it's really incredible. Thank you. Yeah. Where where do you see yourself going from here? And I was just thinking back about, you know, 17-year-old Malika if you weren't, I know you said, obviously, you were just surviving day to day, of course. But like, if you had told her, you're gonna have a book, you're gonna have a business, you know, like, oh, it's just so cool. What, what, what else are you gonna do? Like, what are you gonna add to this list of success? Like, I know you have so much more in you. Yeah, so one of the things I definitely want to do is I know that Detroit has a lot of blight. They have a lot of empty lots, things mm-hmm. like that. One of my long-term goals is to rather get like an apartment building or uh, maybe a multifamily home. Because ultimately, I wanted to, of course, have like a facility. 
I hate the word facility though, but I wanted to have kind of like a, a a hub and it's it's dedicated for the kids in that particular community. Mm-hmm. It's open to, you know, whomever, but it is for the kids in that community. Um so that they are able to utilize all the resources. Uh, one of the things I wanted to do, like gardening, um, we wanted to do uh, get into STEM, you know, more IT things, yes. coding and yep. things like that. So having several workshops, um, having some um, mentoring there, tutoring. Um, and also one of the biggest things like we had, I wanted to do was a dietary education where we have someone maybe come in and cook or show them how to make um, meals that are feasible, still good, but healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think that is in the city is so many buildings and places for it to be opportunity, you know? Yeah. Oh, totally. Detroit is, is so much. There's so much opportunity in Detroit. So I want I would love to go into a community that is still building because it's is mm-hmm. I'm an East Sider, so I'm I'm open to either side, but I'm a, definitely an East Sider. And even in like Highland Park, they got some really nice foundations of homes and things like that that could use that. And you know, you're trying to do something productive and positive. So I'm definitely hoping to maybe connect with the city. Mm-hmm. Um because, of course, I've been looking on things like uh, the land bank. You know, the land bank have a lot of, but even with, like, storefronts, possibly. Um, but just building the foundation where we have a, a, a actual physical location and just kind of, like, collaborations and partnerships, I think it would be really, really great for Liv, too, um, because we can't do it alone, and we do understand that, um we still got a lot of learning process and things that we have to do, but just kind of like just the constant building and having those connections. So the resources that we have is even larger and even greater for those that need it. Um, I think that is important, too, because I feel like a lot of nonprofits are, you know, they want to give things. And I think that's good. But I think that it's important, too, to find out how can we provide solution? You know, like if you having a family who's having some issues with food security, you know, you kind of want to, you know, take some, you know, educate, you know, as far as like maybe budgeting or, you know, things like that. So this person won't use that as a to go to re- resource all the time. They found some type of solution, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting because you had said before so much of of what you learned through hospitality and it was just exposure to other things. And I feel like that's ultimately what you're trying to do for kids is exposing them to good food and gardening and IT and STEM, you know, science, math, all of the things, like, and just show them there's, there's more, you know, there's just give, give kids just a, a, an opportunity to see more than maybe they were exposed to, you know. Yeah, because see, in the city, in the city, you know, I deal with a lot of the families in the city and, like I, I do book club and one of the things was I was researching and it said that about 44% of adults in Detroit is like illiterate. Wow. And I was like, I was like, wow, that's like half a, you know, I'm like, that's like half. Yeah. And I was just yeah. blew away by the that's numbers. Horrible. But those are the things that we got to look at. Like, so this is probably why 
most people don't have because of education. Everybody know that DPS has a lot of things they can work on to be able to give more. But then it's all of these restrictions and you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like, how can you bring some type of solution or, you know, because I feel like long term, you want to bring some type of solution. You know, you want to. And I think that's why it's so important with the kids, um, because you got to get them while they're young. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of them do struggle with reading. Um, it's sad because it was a young lady was in a book club. You know, every time we get to discussing, you know, about the book, she never had nothing to say. So I didn't think too much of it. Maybe she didn't want to talk in front of people. But once I talked to her mother. Her mother pretty much was basically like she has a, a like an issue. She can't read, babe. She couldn't read. And that was like, she was like 12. And I think oh, that a lot man. of times you don't really realize that it'd be way deeper than just, you know, you know, mentoring. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. you got to mm-hmm. individually identify what those kids need. So that's why I know that it's very important as far as their education and exposing them to things because unfortunately you know they don't have the the resources or or some of the things not even in the school they don't have local recreations it's like nothing for the kids positive to do they then close down a lot of schools in the area mm-hmm. so a lot of parents are you know traveling to take their kids they might not even be in a position to do that either so it's definitely room for improvement all the way around but I'm definitely excited for the challenge yeah, I, I'm excited for you. It's, it, I just have a feeling that once you set your mind to it and you really get the structure around what you want it to be, it's it's going to happen. I mean, you've done so much so far. I, I, can't, I can't imagine you not doing it, you know, and it's going to be so great for so many people. It's awesome. Yes, I, I'm just so excited. And I don't know, Nikki, I wasn't able to post on um on Instagram, but I recently uh, was featured on Fox 2. Oh, nice. Yes. Awesome. Very cool. What was the segment about? She was asking about Liv and kind of like we talked about, um, you know, just some of the things that I've I've been through and, you know, some of the things I would want to see in the future and things like that. So it was a really good experience. And, you know, I'm glad to have had that exposure as well. Yeah, very cool. Good for you. So awesome. How many people can say that they're featured on the news, you know? It's awesome. <laughs> as soon as <laughs> I, I came it. to work, they was like, hey, superstar, give me your autograph, superstar. <laughs> oh, that's so great, Malika. I love it. Well, I appreciate you sharing all of this. This is so great. Um, I do have a couple more questions, though, that I always ask at the end of each episode. Um, and the first one is, what would you tell people who are just starting out on the whole self-value journey? I would tell people on this whole journey, on the starting on the self-value journey, is to know that it's okay, um, regardless that it's an everyday process. That You know, you're going to have your good and your bad days. But knowing, like I said, setting boundaries and, you know, self-reflection mm-hmm. of, of things that you want and really being able to just kind of like identify who you are. So with the self-value journey, you got to really like it is self, 
You got to really evaluate yourself. So that's what I would tell people is just how do you feel about yourself? When you look in a mirror, what do you think about yourself? You know, inside, how do you really feel about yourself? Is it things that you want to change or things that you feel like you can do better? And, you know, are they reasonable? You know, are they you know, are they reasonable to be? Because I feel like sometimes people give themselves unrealistic goals. Like, you know, I know it might take some years before I have a physical building, but for me to put that expectation, like, okay, yeah, by May of 2024, it's going to be done, you know? And then now I'm feeling kind of crap because it's not. You get what I'm saying? So yeah, totally. having realistic goals on this mm-hmm. journey. So I, yeah. I definitely think that is very important as well. Yep, love it. Awesome. All right. Number two is what is your new favorite thing? Could be any sort of product or recipe or book. Could be anything. I want to say I really do enjoy um, bike riding and um, flying kites. Oh, nice. Very cool. And I hate that you can't do it a lot during because it's cold. Oh, I know. <laughs> so I'm like the outside a lot now. Like it's been it's been windy a lot too lately. See, that's the perfect kind of weather though for yeah. good flying a kite. <laughs> I know. I guess you one or the other. If it's not windy, you ride your bike. If it is windy, you fly a kite. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> that's awesome. Very cool. All right, number three is where can people find you online? I am. We have all social media platforms, the Live Outreach. And also we have a website, um, www.theliveoutreach.org. Awesome. And then your book, I'm Just Trying to Live. I'm Just Trying to Live, is can be purchased on Amazon. Fantastic. Well, thank you again, Malika. We'll have to have you back on once you, um, once you get your center up and running. Yes, <laughs> I would love it. Sweet. Fantastic. Well, thank you again, and hopefully I'll see you soon. All righty. Thank you so much. Bye, Nikki. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Self-Value Podcast. If you want even more about self-value to start changing your own life, head over to selfvalue.com where you can find all of the education you need to start reaching your full potential. Also, your five-star reviews really help us to continue what we do. So if you like listening, would you mind giving us a review wherever you listen? We really appreciate it. Well, that's all for today, but don't forget to head over to selfvalue.com.